Hey, what's up, everybody? I am so delighted that you're joining us. This is the third week of our Character Matters series, and I am loving teaching this series. Let me start with a shout out to those of you who are watching from my San Jose campus. Make some noise in San Jose. Thank you so much for being with us. And there may be some people watching online who attend our Ridwood City campus, so I want to give a shout out to them and remind people we do have a, a Ridwood City campus here in the Bay Area. And to the rest of you who are watching online from across the country and beyond, thank you so much for joining with us. God, I pray that you would pour out a blessing on this teaching, that it might be transformative in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every week we look at a different character trait uh, that we are, that are, that's super important in order for us to become the best version of ourselves in the hands of God, that we might be his light in the world. Today, we want to look at the character trait of gratitude. Can you say gratitude matters? Yes. If somebody's in the room next to you, just tell them, turn to them and say, if somebody's sitting next to you, excuse me, turn to them and say, gratitude matters. All right. With that in the background of your mind, let's join Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verse 12 through 14. He's on his way to Jerusalem. It hasn't quite become clear to the people who are walking with him, his disciples, etc. But crucifixion is awaiting him. In a sense, as we're in the midst of our 40 days of prayer and fasting journey here at NBCC, we are on that journey with Jesus. Listen to the text. As he, Jesus, entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank Jesus enough. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, were not ten healed? Where are the nine? Can none be found to come back and to give glory to God except this outsider? And then Paul picks up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as we think about the power and the importance of gratitude, especially as a part of our character. Listen to what Paul writes. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And there ends the reading. So, as we kick off today's message, I encourage you that if you've missed the other two messages, please go back and pick them up there on our website. Uh, I start each week by giving us a basic definition of character. Character is simply who you are on the inside. It's who I am on the inside. It is, it is my authentic self. And over the last several weeks, we've looked at some very important character traits. The first was fortitude. Last week, we talked about self-control, and this week, we're going to talk about gratitude. Now, this week, we're going to, this series is unfolding in the midst of our 40 days of prayer and fasting uh, journey. We do this journey every single year as we head towards Easter. And if you have not had a chance to sign up with us, I want to encourage you, it's not too late 
At the end of this message, you'll get a chance to sign up. Join us on this prayer and fasting journey. It's a wonderful way to rededicate yourself to a deeper relationship with God. It's a serious way for you to stretch out before the Lord and say, hey, I need a breakthrough either in your life or in the life of someone that you love. When you sign up, uh, you will get an email from me every single day that will help facilitate your time with God in Scripture and in prayer. So check out the message from last week. We go through it all, but beside all of that, I want to encourage you, join us on this journey of prayer and fasting. Now, can you say gratitude? Gratitude, yes. If I had a big idea for this message, it would be simply this. Gratitude is a game changer. It's a game changer. It's a game changer for your life. It's a game changer for the people who surround your life. Gratitude is a game changer. Uh, this past summer, I flew into Baltimore and ended up driving over a course of a number of days, stopping and visiting friends and former partner and partners of NBCC, et cetera, et cetera. I drove from Baltimore to Boston. Somewhere on the East Coast on that drive, I pulled into a fast food place. I, w- I didn't recognize it. It's not like a McDonald's or whatever. It was, it's something that's unique to the, um, to the East Coast. It was a, but it was a hamburger place, et cetera, et cetera. And when I got to the, to the thing where you, you, you speak to the speaker, you know, and tell them what you want before you drive up to the window, uh, I was trying to make the distinction between one sandwich and the other. I didn't quite get it. And the lady said, with all kind of attitude, can't you read? <laughs> it's right there on the, on, the, on the menu. It's right there. I can't tell you how upset I got about this. It's like, what? Even though I didn't say that. I was trying to explain to her, I, you know, I was new, I wasn't familiar with. She said, well, just read the menu. And then she was whispering to the person who was next to her. I could hear that over the mic. <laughs> anyway, I drove up to the window after we got it straight. And when I got to the window, and she had all kind of attitude, and I said to her as she was getting ready to give me my stuff, I said, I just want to take a few moments and thank you. She said, what? I said, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being here serving us. There's so many folk like me driving off the highway, stopping to get something to eat on a long journey. And you probably got up really early and you're here uh, throughout the whole day just serving folk like me. So on behalf of all the people who passed through here and didn't even think to say thank you, I want to say thank you. You are awesome. God bless you. She said, uh, oh, Okay. (laughs) Can you say game changer? Oh, my goodness, the atmosphere changed. Uh, The interpersonal relationship between us changed. The smile that came on her face, she was shocked. She was surprised. That's the power of gratitude. Now, I've done that oftentimes. It doesn't always work, but I can tell you about 90% of the time, it does. How good are you at practicing the power of gratitude? And how much is gratitude a part of your character? Well, this text is about gratitude, at least one level of gratitude. Let's revisit it again, because gratitude is important to Jesus. Here's what it says. As Jesus, Jesus is actually on a, he's on his way to Jerusalem, as I said a few moments ago. He's on the border between Galilee, which is a highly populated Jewish uh, section uh, of of that part of the world, and Samaria, which is made up of Samaritans. And the Samaritans and the Jewish people, they were antagonistic at each other, to put it 
uh, mildly. They couldn't stand one another. And the text says he enters one of the villages on that border. We don't know what the name of the village is, but here's what it says. As he entered the village there, there are 10 men with leprosy who stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy, have compassion, have pity on us, depending on how you translate that text. It says, Jesus looked at them. And he said, well, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, listen, guys, there are three insights that jump really out at me really quick. Although we're going to land in gratitude, but let me give you these three insights. The first insight that pops out at me is how uh, disease and death is very democratic. It's fascinating to me that a Samaritan and nine Jewish uh, people, they didn't like each other. Samaritan and the Jews, they couldn't stand each other. But they were sick. The same disease, leprosy. And in that day, leprosy was kind of like cancer is today. On the, on the light end, it could be just a kind of like a slight skin discoloration or irritation or rash. The worst, it could eat through your skin and through your bones. You could lose limbs and lose your life. It was highly contagious. And here they were. You think about it this way. One Republican and ten Democrats are, are nine. I mean, one Republican and nine Democrats are nine uh, Republicans and one radical Democrat don't like each other. But they're crying out desperately they need the grace of God. That's part of what we do in our fasting season. Across all of our diversity, we all come together with our faith in Jesus and we stretch out and we say, God, we need you. We need you to break through in our lives. That's what they were calling for. The second insight that comes to my mind is the incredible fact that the grace of God is without discrimination. He doesn't elevate the nine Jews and forget about the one Samaritan. He doesn't bless the one Samaritan and forget about the nine views, Jews. No, he, he looks at them and he says, y'all just go on to the priest and report to the priest. Now, in that day, if you had a horrible uh, disease like leprosy, you were labeled as unclean. Your task was to stay outside of the general populace. That's why the text says they stood at a distance from Jesus. If you were coming around people, you'd ring a bell and say, unclean, unclean. Uh, the unclean uh, title or tag, uh, as horrible as that sounded, was really a public health way of, of, of keeping people safe from something that was very contagious. But you would have to go, if you thought you were healed, you'd have to go to a priest, and the priest would have to certify it just like in today's world, you'd have to go to a doctor. I always say to people who think, who, who, who say, well, I was miraculous healed, good. Go to a doctor and let the doctor confirm it. That's what we see in the text. I can imagine the conversation that these guys must have had as they were headed towards the priest. Wow, he didn't touch us. He didn't lay his hands on us. He, he didn't speak in an incantation over us. He just said, go. I mean, we're, we're supposed to go, but we're still, what's this about? The text says, but as they went, they were healed. Another fascinating insight, isn't it? Luke comes to this point again and again throughout the gospel. Here's what he's trying to say. Listen, you don't have to always understand what the word of the Lord is to you. You just need to hear it and respond to it. And by the way, part of what we're working through on this prayer and fasting season is to unclutter our lives because God is trying to speak a word to, to us, I believe. But we go from meeting to activity to TV to social media to sleeping and back and forth again. 
But it's in this season we open up the space. We settle ourselves. We, we, we create some silence. And on the other side of hearing what God has to say to us, there may be something supernatural that God wants to do in your life. Something improbable, something unlikely. That's why I'm inviting you. Don't let this season pass you by. And I said to our staff, I wrote an email to our staff the other day congratulating them for launching our 40 days of prayer and fasting. And then I said to them, listen, sometimes we're so busy facilitating uh, the work of God for other people that we forget to partake in it ourselves. So I encourage everybody to make sure that we are participating this year because I just feel that God wants to do something, the same one who moves supernaturally in that text through his word. It's the same one that I believe wants to move supernaturally in the lives of those of us who would dare stretch out in this season of prayer and fasting. So as they went, they were healed. And the grace of God was remarkably democratic. It covered all of them, despite who they were and their distinctions. Isn't that good news for you to know? And then the third insight. Here's the text. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, stopped. I can imagine this text is saying this, but I can imagine it stopped. Turned around, said, guys, I got to go. And he runs back, shouting with gratitude as he goes, glorifying God. The text says he kneels at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank Jesus enough. And he was a Samaritan, which what Jesus is suggesting is that the Jewish community often thought of the Samaritans having inferior faith. And look what he did. He demonstrates gratitude. Can you say gratitude? Yeah, it's a game changer. The third insight that flows out of this point, this, this text for me then. One, disease and death is, doesn't discriminate. Two, the grace of God doesn't discriminate. Three, gratitude is important to Jesus. Gratitude is important to Jesus not because Jesus needs your thank you. Gratitude was important to Jesus in this particular text, not because he needed the thank you of all ten. But gratitude was important to Jesus because uh, it was because Jesus understood. Not only was it a response to this supernatural miracle that took place because the folk obeyed his word, but embedded in gratitude was the power required to unleash future miracles in their lives. And this is part of what I want you to get. Embedded in gratitude is the power to unleash the improbable and the unlikely in your life as you move forward from this message. If you would dare take it seriously. Now, maybe somebody is saying, well, Pastor, I think you're being a little overdramatic here. Really? Future miracles embedded in this notion of gratitude? Well, listen, I'm not just in the text, guys. I'm in the science one of the guys that I like, I talked about it a couple of years ago. His name is Dr. Robert A. Emmons. He's a psychologist and professor and author. And for the last, I don't know, several decades, he has been one of the leading individuals who have pushed the frontier boundaries of positive psychology, the positive psychology movement. And he's been studying the development of personality and 
and, and linking that, if you will, to all of the stuff we're learning through neurological science, how the brain maps and how it's malleable and, and how it interacts with the world around us. And he, he did a survey along with a team of folk, surveyed tons of HR experts. And the question was, how do you drive productivity uh, in the workplace? And when the survey was completed, 70% of the HR experts agreed that the most effective way to drive productivity up in the workplace, more effective than a promotion, more effective than a salary raise, are you ready? Was to unleash gratitude. Gratitude. People needed to feel that their work was value added and they needed to experience an environment shaped by gratitude. Can you say miracle that you could transform a, a, a low productive workspace into a high productive workspace more effectively with gratitude than with a salary raise or a promotion? That is not to suggest that they didn't want a salary raise or a promotion. <laughs> Dr. Evans has written a book called Gratitude Works, and uh, it's a 21-day program for creating emotional prosperity. I encourage you guys to get it. It's fascinating. Now, let me suggest that as we look at this particular text as it relates to Jesus, that it, it highlights what I want to suggest, two levels of gratefulness, two levels of gratitude. The first level is just kind of common gratefulness. I refer to it as simply being grateful. Here's the definition. Uh, being grateful, that's what we see when this guy comes back screaming and yelling and shouting and praising God. He's being grateful in reaction to this particular miracle that has taken place. It's a state or a feeling of thankfulness that arises in response to receiving a benefit or kindness or a gift. This feeling can be fleeting. In other words, two weeks later, he may not necessarily feel grateful, but it's attached to this particular incident, right? Tied to the immediate reaction to an act of kindness from another person. Gratefulness. 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 Notice the text. Jesus says, We're not ten healed. We're the nine. Can none be found to come back and give glory to God and ex accept this one that has, quote-unquote, inferior faith? Hmm. Why didn't they come back to say thank you? That's what Jesus is saying. Why only this one came back to say thank you? So it, it begs the question for you and I to wrestle with. This is the basic level of gratitude, right? Level one, here it is. How often do I say thank you? Not for the big stuff but for the small things that happen day to day in my life. How often do you say thank you as students and parents and colleagues and spouses? How often do you say thank you? Notice in that text, the Greek word that is translated grateful and gratitude and thanks and thank you, at the very root of that Greek word is another word that actually means grace. The suggestion of grace is it's favor that I didn't earn. It means it's a gift. And part of why Jesus, it's important to Jesus that, that he's asking, how come they didn't come back to say thank you? Is because Jesus is pointing out they didn't get it. 
It, it, Jesus doesn't need them to say thank you for him. The, the point here is, do you get it? When we read scriptures throughout the Old Testament, we read the scriptures that declare, uh, that calls us to praise God. It's calling us to praise God, not because God has an ego that needs to be feed, fed. The question is, do you get it? Do you get that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above? Do you get it? Do you get how abundantly blessed you are? Just the ability to breathe, inhale and exhale and all of the things going around. Even if in the middle of your life right now, your dreams are not unfolding the way that you want. Do you get it? You know, my, my um, mother-in-law lives with us. And her dream was to take care of a house and take care of a family without having to work and so forth and so on. So when I was in seminary, uh, she used to type all my papers. She was a brilliant typist and editor. She could do it all at the same time. Type almost like 100 words a minute. I'm serious. And she would always say to me, don't say thank you. Listen, I'm, this is an investment in my future. So years later, uh, husband died. Uh, she's retired. She moves in with us. And she just takes care of our household and our family. She does the washes and the wash the dishes, washes the clothes, makes it the bed, just tons of stuff. And whenever I, from time to time, I just tell her thank you. And she says, oh, you don't have to tell me thank you. What she means is uh, she's getting great joy out of doing what she's doing. And in a sense, she's saying thank you to us, which I can't even comprehend that. <laughs> but, but she loves us so much. But no, I say I have to say thank you. Because I'm saying thank you not just for her. I'm saying thank you to demonstrate I get it. That this is a gift. That she is offering a wonderful gift of generosity. And that she herself is a gift from God. The question is, how often do you say thank you? You know, one of the ways to measure the affection level in a household is whether or not spouses or significant others regularly say thank you to each other about the, the common things that are happening. Or have they lost sight of what a gift each other is to the other? And if you really want to push it up a step, it's thank you plus, thankful plus. Notice what the text says. When the guy comes back, he kneels at Jesus' feet, so grateful he couldn't thank Jesus enough, even though he was a Samaritan. You can imagine this guy, he's not just saying, thank you, Lord, I can't believe that this happened. He's also talking about the implications of this miracle. Now I can be reintegrated back into public life. I can return back home with my family and my kids. Oh my goodness, the impact it's having on my dreams, so forth and so on. This is exactly what took place between me and the woman in the drive-thru. I didn't just say thank you, right? I took some time to talk about how what she did was making a difference, not just in my life, but in the life of hundreds of people. And suddenly she realized that what she was doing was value added to so many folk. I challenge you to up your game with saying thank you throughout your day. And don't just say thank you. Look for opportunity to say thank you plus. Now, understanding that this is a gift and I get it, that's why I say thank you, is the first level. But the second and highest level of gratitude is when it becomes a part of my character. 
when it becomes the lens through which I look at life. This is where the power, the miraculous power of gratitude is released in my life and becomes transformative for people around me in really big and deep ways. Notice this definition, gratitude as a character trait is this. It implies a more enduring disposition. It's not just thank you in relationship to a particular incident. But it's a more enduring disposition that a person embodies. It involves a consistent pattern. Watch this. A consistent pattern of recognizing and appreciating. Recognizing and appreciating. Recognizing and appreciating. Did I say recognizing? Recognizing and appreciating the value of what one has and the contribution, the value of what I have as opposed to what I don't have, and the contributions of others to one's well-being regardless of whether the circumstances are great or whether the circumstances are horrible. This is an attitude of gratitude. It is a disposition of gratitude. It is, it is the person who, 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 when she or he wakes up in the morning, despite what they run into, despite where they land, they see myriad of reasons to be grateful in the midst of their struggle. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians Paul writes this. He says, look, always be joyful. How's that? How does that happen? He says, never stop praying. Well, how does that happen? Here's the key. Be thankful in all circumstances. He didn't say be thankful for all circumstances. He said be thankful in all circumstances. In every circumstance, God is with you, and there are reasons to be grateful. And, and when that's your posture, you're more likely to be joyful than not, right? You're more likely to be hopeful than cynical. You're more likely to be positive than negative. And, 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 you're, and, and if you're saying it out loud, if you're thinking God as you move through the day, as you think others as you move through the day, if you're recognizing the gifts of God, even your heart is singing praises, you're praying as you move throughout the day, you see. That's the secret. It's a secret. You know, one of my uh, favorite stories is told about this whole thing about gratitude, how it releases the power that you need to get through tough times. It's a story told uh, about <clears throat> uh, a lady uh, who was an incredible uh, missionary. And she ended up in, the, in a German concentration camp because she spent so much of her time uh, trying to help rescue Jewish people from the Nazis. And they finally called her. Tin Boom was her name. And she tells the story after she gets out that her sister used to tell them they, they, in their barracks, they were on a mattress that was full of fleas. And her sister used to say, give thanks for the fleas. And she really couldn't understand why she should do that, but she figured that her sister was just putting in place, just practicing what we just read Paul said in First Thessalonians. After a period of time, she connected the dots. Because their mattress was so flea-infested, the, the area was so flea-infested, the guards did not come into their barracks and abuse them. And it created space for them to have Bible study with so many folk who did come into that flea-infested area 
who came to know Jesus. Even in a horrible situation, God had provided fleas to keep them safe. They could see it. Do you have the eyes to see the fleas? The provision of fleas that God puts in your life in the midst of your tough times? This is the point that Dr. Edmund's making, that the person who develops and cultivates this notion of gratitude has the power to see the fleas. Let me, let me, let me just tell you a couple of things about how this works. Number one, uh, he points out that, that when we are grateful, uh, that it stirs up what I call the joy chemicals in our brains the serotonin and the dopamine, when we experience gratitude and when we share gratitude, those chemicals get stirred up. Watch this. And they also get stirred up in the people that we are expressing gratitude to. That's exactly what happened between me and the person at the drive-thru window. Look, I was angry when I got up to that drive-thru window, but after I finished articulating in a loving way my gratitude, those dopamines happened in my brain. I actually felt better. Watch this. She felt better. The atmosphere changed. That's the miracle of gratitude. That's what I'm talking about. So there are three things that I want to suggest that you and I need to do to cultivate a sense of gratitude. The first is we need to maintain what Dr. Edmund calls a gratitude flow. That means that we have to have a posture of seeing all of the different reasons get into the flow of being grateful from the time we wake up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night. Here's what the writer in Lamentations 3 says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh, anew each morning. Each morning. From the time that you wake up, you're experiencing the mercies of God. Putting on your clothes, you're experiencing the mercies of God. There's food for you to eat, you're experiencing the mercies of God. New relationships you're encountering, you're experiencing the mercies of God. Do you see those gifts? You have to train yourself. How do I train myself? Number two, keep a gratitude journal. Those of you who are walking along in this time of fasting with us. You're getting an email from me every single day and through, throughout this course of 40 days, I'll be inviting you to write down the gifts of God's grace that you see around you. I just want to suggest to you practice keeping a gratitude journal. Now, Dr. Edmund says be aware of what he calls gratitude fatigue. In other words, don't just keep writing down the same stuff. Every day you ought to see new ways in which God is moving in around your life. Blessings that you have not noticed. Add that to your list. Just look for one each day. Dr. Edmund says this, the grateful person sees life as a series of blessings and gifts. You can be that person in your house. You can be that person at work. You can be that person. You can you can. And then the last insight, practice being a blessing to others. Practice being a blessing to others. You know, here's what the psalmist says. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? This is in Psalms 116. He begins the Psalms by talking about how he was near death and how God delivered him. 
and how God turned his life right side up. And finally, he gets to this point, and he says, and so what shall I return to the Lord for all the goodness? How do I show my gratitude? He says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. He says, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the very presence of his people. And what he's saying is that, 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 that one of the ways that I'm going to show God how much, how grateful I am for how he blesses my life is that I'm going to show up in the temple in a place of worship and I'm going to declare worship, but I'm going to also fulfill my vows, my promises. I'm going to serve the people of God in that place of worship. And those of you who are watching in San Jose, a number of you, you come in and you are blessed. And I'm so excited about how the community is growing. You know, you meet people at the door that greets you. You enjoy the donuts and the coffee that other, that volunteers have put together to, for you to serve you. The music is played and people lead in worship. You hear the sound. You see me on the big screen. There, there are volunteer hands and hearts behind. And these are individuals who are doing what the psalmist is saying. They are declaring their gratitude to God. They're serving out of the overflow of their lives, not out of obligation, not because it's, it's, it's you know, they're afraid if I don't do it, that God is not going to bless me. But, they, but, but they're serving out of a place of gratitude. He's been so good to me. I hope you join in that overflow. And don't just sit and watch and listen. But even today, begin to serve too out of the overflow. I end where we start. A posture of gratitude unleashes miracles in our lives. It changes the atmosphere. It transforms our relationships with people. It gives us the power to push through adversity and pain and difficulty it helps us to see the fleas and to give God praise. Always be joyful, Paul writes. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belongs to Christ Jesus. Amen. Here's my challenge. I call it the gratitude challenge. I want to challenge you to do two things. One, I want to challenge you over the course of the next 40 days Create for you a gratitude journal on your phone, on your electronic tablet, whatever it is. And every day, just write down one or two things that you're grateful for from now to Easter. Secondly, I want to challenge you, if you're not serving, sign up to serve. You don't have to serve every single week. We will figure out the rhythm for you to do that at the, in the context of online or in our San Jose campus. But step forward to serve out of the overflow. And here's how we're going to do it. There's a QR code that's popping up on the screen right now. If you scan it, you take your phones out. Go ahead, take your phones out and scan it. Go ahead, scan it. Or you can go straight to the website that's indicated. It's going to take you to our connection card. Scroll down towards the end. You can fill out your name and email in a few moments. Scroll down towards the end. There's a place where you can check, I'm going to serve. And there's a place for you to check, watch this. If you have not joined us in the prayer and fasting season, just say, I commit, check that. Uh, click that button and be a part of who we, this whole journey. Wow. Unleash the power of gratitude in your life and expect miracles. God bless you.